Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. You know, we talk a lot about overcoming obstacles on this podcast, and we're going to share a poignant story about that today. Also, I talk about how God gives us opportunities to give him a shout out. (laughs) And here to help me sort through it all is Run For God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. So talking about barriers, you just... uh completed a little race this weekend where you overcame some barriers didn't you? i did yeah i'm going to talk about that in the story actually, oh so we'll get too, it we'll get to that too, on down, so huh? we will but it's uh yeah it was fun it was fun yeah yeah um and i, I tell you I, there were so many stories that came out of this weekend just it was a really it was a productive weekend for me from a, a story writing standpoint because yeah. it was uh just some cool stuff more than happened. just a race huh it really was were, yeah. or a couple of races yeah All right, before we get started, let's talk about this week's sponsor. Again, if you have a business out there and you want to support what Run for God's doing and allow us to support you in the process, you can send an email to runlanehollis at gmail.com. He'll get you all the information on how that all works. But this week's sponsor is one of our good friends, Barry Cates, down at One Source Business Products. Uh, One Source is Dalton's only locally owned office supply company. If you're looking for office supply, furniture, printing, janitorial, custom forms, or stamps, they have you covered. And their prices are right. I know that because we use them. Um, (laughs) So that's why they compare and we save. Give them a call at 706-516-3900, or you can find them on the web at onesourcebp.com. Kate's family is just a great family. Um, I was with... uh, my son Lane and and Barry's son Matt last night. Matt plays the drums in the praise band at church, and uh, just a great. It's it's fun to do business with with great Christian people that think like us and uh, have the same goals as us. So, yeah, go check them out if you if you need business supplies. Absolutely, I've noticed that's a theme in our sponsors. It is. It's uh, a bun- bunch of good Christian folks it that, that want to sure support is. us. Yeah. Facebook post Stephanie Pinchak Marino. Um, hashtag never miss a Monday. <laughs> Yesterday, our pastor preached on the importance of the community in the church. With so many people staying home and watching church online, we're missing something. He told the story of Luke five eighteen through 25 about Jesus healing the paralyzed man. This man was brought to Jesus by his friends and lowered through the roof to get to Jesus. We don't know if he asked his friends to do this or if they recognized his need and took him to Jesus. We do know that the paralyzed man would not have met Jesus if it were not for his friends. You need people in your life to help you get to Jesus. We need each other. We are better together. Even in running, no one can take the steps for you, but we need each other to get through all the training to the finish line. I need people encouraging me to keep going. I need people to keep me accountable when I say I'm going to eat those extra veggies and cut back on the sweets. I need someone to say, that's not such a good idea. Today's fuel, pre-run, Ezekiel bread and water. Uh, Mile three, one block, 18 ounces of water throughout. 
Uh, Post run, uh, other half of my Ezekiel toast, watered down Gatorade. Uh, The real challenge for me comes with fuel the rest of the day. You don't get a pass because you ran this morning. (laughs) A lot of people look at that the other way around, don't they? They do. I ran this morning so I can have that bowl of ice cream. Yeah, and I'm guilty of that sometimes, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, Dean, I want to talk about something that that Stephanie kind of hits on here. and it and it may step on some people's toes. It it, it definitely I stepped on my own toes here. Mm-hmm. Um, but she she's talking about the concept that that we need each other and and specifically the church we mm-hmm. need each other. Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't like what I'm seeing today with Christians, and I, and I put myself in the category of about what I'm about to say yeah. because I've done it too. We need to stop being down on the church. Um, you know, I, I know there's, there's a lot of choices that happen in the church nowadays. Yeah. And, and and that's a good thing. I believe that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, back a hundred years ago, you, you went to church, you heard a sermon, you, you went to dinner after, and that was pretty much it. But nowadays we have a lot more things that really draws people into the church and I was running with a gentleman, I don't know, a couple years ago. And our church was setting up for the Easter egg hunt. And the gentleman I was running with really started talking bad about the Easter egg hunt. He said, mm-hmm. I don't know why our churches these days feel that they need to do all this stuff that the Word of God is enough. And he's right. The Word of God is enough. Right. But Jesus also said, go and make disciples of all nations. Go out and and share the word with people wherever they're at. If that means putting on an Easter egg hunt to bring people into the doors of the church, then by all means do an Easter egg hunt. That's not my ministry. Yeah. But where we where where sometimes we as Christians and and, and the church fail is I I state my opinions on another ministry because that's not my ministry. And because it's not my ministry, then we shouldn't do that. And that's just wrong. Um, it really is wrong. A- another thing is, you know, <clears throat> we put on a, a lot of people put a, a host, the, the Run for God classes at their church, the 5K Challenge. Right. 5K Challenge has been taught in over 6,500 communities around the world at this point. And what do we say on here so often? As the instructor, yeah, it changes you more than it changes the people in your class. It has a reciprocal effect, and, and many people don't realize that when they go into it. But I say it all the time. Every time I've taught a 5K challenge, when we graduate that class, I'm the one that's changed. Yeah, And it's because of the people that I'm teaching. And we have to look at church that way. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't like what I'm seeing. There's a lot of I, – I, and I call it church hopping – you know, people going from church to church and they're making comments like, well, I'm not being fed. And and, and some and that's true in some of the cases. Sure. But much of the time, it's it's a hard issue. Yeah. Um, we need to go to church. Yes, we need to be fed, but we need we need to be pouring into other people. Yeah. And that's why the church is so important. If you believe the statistic that Billy Graham used to say, Billy Graham used to say that 50% of the people sitting in the pews on Sunday morning will not make it to heaven. They're not saved. Yeah. 
And so I hear things like, well, the church is full of hypocrites. Yep, you're yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you're right. It's full of broken people. It's it's full of people who... Including you and I. Including you and I. And it's that's why we go. Yeah. And it's because we can, we can come together, we can edify one another, and... I mean, talk about getting a boat close to the dock. You've got people sitting in the pews who aren't saved. They're sitting in the pews. Yeah. We have a mission field in our churches. It's true. We don't need to walk away from the church because somebody said something we don't like or somebody believes something that we don't believe. You know, yes, if it's if it's uh, gospel issues that don't line up, with biblical principles, then yeah, you may need to find a ch- another church. But if it's what style of music they play, mm. if it's whether they have an Easter egg hunt or not, yeah, all of these things we're we're we're, we're dividing our churches all across this all across this world over things like music. You know, David Hendricks, our great friend that used to help yeah. run for God, he's passed on. Uh, a few years back, he he was a he was actually the music minister at my church, and he said Mitchell music is dividing churches all over this country, and he's right. There's a lot of things yeah. dividing these churches all over this country. But think about going to church the same way if you're an instructor or, you, or you've heard about how we've talked about being an instructor. Think of it as being the same thing. Yeah. Because when you go to church and you really get plugged in, you're plugged in at your church. I'm plugged mm-hmm. in at my church. We both understand. We, we get so much more out of church True. by having a servant's heart rather than what can the church do for me. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, Stephanie's well, comment here just really rung my bell. It's some things that I've been thinking for a while. Um, if, you're, if you're not in a church, get in a church. Yeah, you know, you're talking about this, and I'm thinking about a, a great example. I've talked about my church on here before. We're, right now, we're like a snowball. Mm-hmm. I'm just gathering. I mean, it is incredible to watch right now what is going on in our church. We just had vacation Bible school. There were hundreds of hours spent on props and making the place look cool and creating a cave in our church and this the the setup was unbelievable right and that's what we do for vacation bible school at our church and a lot of people would look at that and go that's not really god stuff Mm -hmm. right and i get it i understand what they're saying at the same time we had 18 kids who made professions of faith in our vacation bible school I don't care how many hours or what it is that got them there. It got them there. It helped to get them there. And you're right. We have to stop. And when we don't agree with something, I'll be really transparent here. There was somebody in our church that really upset me a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, they knew it. And we hadn't talked a whole lot since then. Not We haven't been you know at each other's throats or anything like that it's just like we're not it's like oil and water right right but that person spent more hours than anybody setting up for that um for 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 this vacation bible school and i knew how successful it was i knew her heart and i went to her afterwards and i just looked her in the eye and said 
I just want you to know how much I appreciate what you've been doing and how hard you worked. I, I live by here. I've seen your car out there when nobody else was here. I don't know how many hours you spent here, but it was a lot and mm-hmm. it paid off and God's using you and it's awesome to see. Yeah. It was an opportunity. If all I did was be upset and not agree with what was going on and went the other way, I never would have noticed any of that. And that actually would have driven us further apart. Instead, the fact that we're in church and we're there regularly actually drew us right back together. Yeah. And like I said, it, it, so many times it comes down to to preference. It it comes down to things that don't really matter eternally. Yeah. Uh, I mean, last night I was at the band practice for our church and I run the sound and and there was some people that were late and you know how I am about being late and I was flustered and yeah. But at the end of the day, we're all there for the same reason. It's kind of like it's kind of like having the posture that you're not going to join a running club because there's people in that running club who think you should train different. Yeah, we we don't do that. Right. We, we can we can draw those lines in other settings. We can show up to a running club and say, "Okay, Dean thinks you should run a hundred miles a week, and and I choose to train at forty hours a week." And we can still talk and have a conversation, hug each other's neck because we're both there because we love running. Right. Why is it different in the church? Shouldn't be. Why do we get so hung up on the the nuances of I, I keep coming back to music because music yeah. over the past ten years has just we we won't even go down that road, but we need to set our opinions aside and understand that we're all there because we love Jesus. Right. And yes, there's a lot of people there who don't know Jesus. And and that is low-hanging fruit. Yeah. They're in the building. They're there because they're searching for something. We need to put all of our petty differences aside and focus on shining the light of Jesus to people. I mean, how does it look to Okay, say the churches are 50% lost people. What does it look like to them when we're fighting and making these comments? That's not what I would do and things like that. I mean, it's no wonder they leave the church. Yeah. You're because right. who wants to be a part of that? That's right. So point is, and, and I've got four fingers pointing back at me when I'm pointing at you and anybody on this podcast, stop yeah. throwing rocks at the church. Amen. The church is, yes, it's an institution. Yeah, but institutions do a lot of good in many cases, right. and the church has done more good than just about any or j- any other institution in the history of our world. And if if you're in a church that maybe doesn't line up with exactly what you believe and what you feel is scriptural, then by all means you need you need to move. But if it's because you're not being fed, <laughs> you need to, you need to. You got to remember that if you're if you're if you're leaving a church for the wrong reasons, you go with you. Yeah. If if the problem is your heart, that's not going to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And, and I I want to really say here, I want to be very transparent that I'm just as convicted. I need to be hearing this as much as anybody listening to this podcast. So don't mm-hmm. think that Mitchell's on his high horse pretending that he's holier than thou because that is not the case i was i told you 
I told you, I was going through this podcast this morning and I didn't get past this part. Yeah. God parked me here and convicted my heart about this, things that's going on in my life. But I also feel like this is, this is a talk about a pandemic. This is a pandemic in our, in our churches these days. So I'm going to stop right there and just say, um, have a, have a servant's heart when you walk into your church this Sunday. Amen. And if you're not in a church, by all means, find one because it makes a huge difference in your walk with Christ. It does. It does. Well, and I'll say one more thing. I think about, I'm, I'm, I don't agree with a lot of the stances that Facebook takes on things. However, Facebook is one of the chief vectors of growth over the years for Run for God. So, Absolutely. Yeah, without Facebook, who knows? What, what would have ever happened would, might not be a run for God today without it. And, and I, I, I'm not a Facebook fan at all, mm-hmm. but <laughs> it's kind of like that with the churches. Just because there's some things going on there you don't agree with doesn't mean that the overarching, that, that what you can do for the church and around the church and it, it, be having that servant's heart. You can make a difference. Because God uses failures to his glory, too. Amen. My, my pastor Amen. and I were having a conversation just last night about you. Yeah. Because um, we, were, we were at Red Clay Resort in Cahutta and having a church, you know, a little family night. And I was telling him about um, when you were running and the dog come after you. And you said something to those people that we've talked about that on this podcast. Yeah. And I said, Dean said something he shouldn't have said. And by the time he got back to his car, the Lord really just impressed on his heart. You need to go talk to those people. And I assume the dog was somewhere in that area. And the reason I thought about it is it was a dog chasing up anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and Charlie hit the nail on the head. He said, God will more times than not, he'll use our failures yeah. to shine his light. Yeah. And the the church is full of broken, yeah. failed people. And But he will use that. Wow. Well, let's talk about our trivia question from last week. It was this. Name the man who won the 1,500-meter races at the 1980 and 1984 Olympics, and tell me what he's doing these days. Did you know the answer to this one? Probably not. No. Oh, man. I know the name. One I, didn't my, know, I didn't know him. Yeah. One of my all-time favorites, Sebastian Coe. Um, he was the best in the golden age of milers. Because um, back in the 80s, people don't know. You know, today we know some of the names, you know, the, the people who are really good at that distance. Mm-hmm. And um, But back then there were so many. And, and the British folks had a ton of them. And they had Sebastian Coe, Steve Ovette, and Steve Cram. Steve Cram came a little after Coe and Ovette. But um, it was a it was just fantastic to watch those guys go at each other regularly. Um and then, of course, Sebastian Coe, I think, was the best of, of the three. And, of course, Steve Cram was a little bit faster, but he was younger, and you know you know how times go down over time. Um, but after his track career, <laughs> Sebastian Coe became a politician for a little while. Um, then he, he led the group that got the Olympics into London, and then he became vice president of the IAAF. That's the International Athletics or Amateur Athletics Federation. Um, and then he eventually became president of the IAAF, which is what he's doing today. Um, he was part of the IAAF Hall of Fame when it was first created. He was one of the 24 people who was inaugurated into the IAAF. That's how big a deal he, he is. 
um, so many accomplishments, lifetime accomplishments um, that Sebastian Coe has. Um, they call him, uh, you know, in you got the whole royalty thing in um, in Great Britain. So he's he's known as Lord Coe in in Grit in Great Britain because he's um, he's been a big deal there. And he held the eight hundred meter world record for sixteen years, hmm. and his record that he set in 1981 is still the third fastest 800 meters ever run wow isn't that incredible yeah um he started running when he was 12 uh kind of came onto the scene in 1977 when he won an indoor european championship in the 800 um and then he had his first national record in 1977 and then this whole rivalry with steve ovette it started way back in 1972 so what was cool about it is and i guess if you knew it it was it made it even neater to watch them run against each other in the olympics in 1980 and 1984 it was cool because those two guys had been running against each other by that time for like over a decade and uh, and they're still running against each other in the olympics so it was pretty cool um, in 1979, he set three world records in 41 days. So he set the 800 world record at 142, the mile record at 348, and the 1500 record at 332 in a span of 41 days. I think it's safe to say he was peaking right there. Yes. Yes, he <laughs> was. Um, and he was ranked number one in the world at the 800 and the 1500. And I didn't realize this, but no other athlete has done that since. Hmm. Nobody has been ranked. And you think about it today, we don't see many people doubling in the 800 and 1500 anymore. It was a big thing back then. Hmm. Now, you almost never see it. Um, and then in 1980, he broke the world record for the 1,000 meters. And then um, in the Olympics that year, again, Co Co won the 1500 and Ovette won the 800, which was ridiculous because... Ovette was the better 50. Ovette had not lost a 1500 meter race in three years at this point. And Co um, was the world record holder in the 800, and they won their opposite events. Mm -hmm. And if you ask Co, he said that 800 meter race was the tactically the worst race he'd ever run in his life. Um, but he finished second. Uh, so that that was interesting. And then, of course, in that 1981, when he ran that 141.73 is that was just an unbelievable thing to, to run at that time. And again, if anybody runs anything, if anybody runs under 142 now, it's, I mean, everybody's talking about it because it's a big deal. And he did it in 1981. Um, and then he had a serious illness for a couple of years um, and missed some stuff. And then he comes back in 1984 and he wins the Olympics again. He's still the only guy who has ever won back-to-back -back Olympics in the 1500 meters. You would think somebody, surely, and you would have thought, you know, you'd see Ingebrigtsen a day and you'd mm -hmm. think Ingebrigtsen would have had a chance, but he didn't win it this year. <laughs> so uh, so he ran in, in that 1,500 meters. Um, he ran the last 800 in 149. Wow. <laughs> That's a fast 800. So, uh, yeah, all sorts of crazy stuff. When um, when he won that 1,500 in, in, the, in the Olympics, uh, he ran the last 1500 meters in 12.1 seconds he, he ran the what the last 100 meters what did i say oh you said last 15 the the, the, the last 100 meters in the 1500 oh, okay. he ran in 12.1 okay. seconds wow. can you imagine i mean I, I know he's not he's not female he's male but on the female side that's a world class sprinting yeah. effort 12.1 seconds for 100 meters and he did it over the last 100 meters of the race he had some crazy good speed
And he was fun to watch run because he was he was five nine and one hundred and nineteen pounds when he ran. So he was a very small guy. Yeah. You know, in eight hundred meters, a lot of times the best guys are big, tall guys with long legs. But he was short and small. But he had man, he had a ton of speed. He's coached by his dad, so uh, huh. that was pretty cool. So so kind of off the subject, but not really. Have have you started reading the uh, Atomic Habits book that we talked about last week? I have not. You need to because actually later in the book he talks a lot about running and he talks about Kipchoge and I I want to say that he mentions one of these other guys that's why I brought it up because um maybe the Ovet guy maybe so um yeah but yeah it's a, it's a great that's, book I'm, I'm gonna plug it again this week because I finished <laughs> it this week and it's a it's a great book but um so yeah all right so let's talk about the new website I promised that it would be out in August, and we are going to launch it on August the 22nd. Uh, we're pretty much done with it right now. We've got a few things. We've got a few Run Club members in there. Uh, what I say is we we gave them early access to go in there and try to break it. Yeah. Uh, and they've done a good job of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're, we're currently fixing some small issues. We just want it to be as close to perfect as we can get it when, when it launches. It's, it's not going to... The first week or two when we launch it, there's going to be some issues found. So bear with us. It's a new website. It Everybody goes through this. But we're trying to get it as close to perfect as possible when we launch it on the 22nd. So it's, um, again, the Run Club Social. Uh, we've got several people in there already using that. It mm-hmm. is, it's, it's pretty good. It's very good. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's going to we've talked about the reasons i want to move away from facebook with the with the group um and i think it's going to be a home run yeah um so this is a i think this is the 15th when this is airing so next monday uh the 22nd is when the run for god.com the new run for god.com will launch we will be sending correspondence out there are a few things you're going to have to do so don't be ignoring our emails uh, especially if you're a run club current run club member there's some some things that you're going to have to do you're going to have to update your account to make the switch over um, it's not complicated but if you don't read the emails then it's going to be confusing yeah so but if you read the emails it's a few simple steps two or three simple steps uh, and you'll be in and you'll be ready to go so uh Keep a watch on your email. If you're a Run Club member, you will start getting correspondence this week. Um, and then we're going to make the transition on the 22nd. And uh, it's going to be awesome. I can't yeah. wait. It's yeah. uh, going to be exciting. It's, it's, a, it's 10 steps up from where we currently are. I don't know if I'll be on Facebook anymore after this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the cool thing is there's so many people that aren't in the Run Club group because they're not on Facebook. Well, this is going to give them the avenue to be able to, we're going to see new faces that we've maybe never saw, yeah, because they're not on Facebook. And for for whatever reasons, I get it. You know, I, yeah. I am on Facebook, and I will probably remain on Facebook after this. But I get it if you're not on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I'm excited about it. Yeah, I can't wait. If your teen is into rock and metal music that makes your ears bleed and your grandmother clutch her pearls, we can help. If your spouse yearns for music from the old days and wants to relive the music of their glory years, we can handle that. 
If you need a break from the day to spend time with God and recognize His goodness, we'd love to be a part of that. Whether it's rock and metal, classic songs from decades past, or heartfelt worship music, J Radio has you covered. Sign up for an account at jradio.com and download the app in your app store to start listening for free today. All right, we're back, and uh, if you're not tuning in on Thursday nights, you need to do that, and uh, this is another thing. You just mentioned the website and how the website um, will keep you, will pull you away from Facebook mm-hmm. if you're not a Facebook fan. Well, this is the same thing that goes for Thursday nights. Thursday yeah. nights have always been on Facebook, and now it's going to be directly through our uh, Yeah, and the other thing website. is, yeah, it's through the website or through the app. We right. now have a Run For God app. Yeah. Uh, that you'll be able to download when you when you make your transition um and the thursday night lives that's one of the comments we had i had a, a zoom meeting with the the five that are on there not before last and they one of the comments was they really like how the facebook live once you end the live the video drops down and they're all archived right there on that same page because so, mm-hmm. we have a lot of people that say hey dane you talked about something whatever two months ago it? how mm-hmm. do i find it what's well, it's not easy yeah on You're right. on the facebook group well now we've got a whole page that's dedicated to facebook live it archives everything you can search it uh if it's you know dean talked about shoes you could type in shoes and it'll pull that video up so yeah. um, so cool. it's really 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 good pretty cool well have you ever struggled with weight i have yeah yeah, I remember at one point in time, I being a little over 30 pounds heavier than I am today. And I can see because I remember it and, and I can see how people get let their weight get out of control. Mm-hmm. The thing that helped me is the unique position that I was in was I saw my first of all, my brother mm-hmm. um, who literally weighs twice as much as I do. Um, and, and my mother struggled with her weight her whole life. And and seeing that, I realized when I hit when I hit 180 pounds, I know that doesn't sound like much to most people. I get it, but my my attitude was I got there a little bit at a time, and when I hit that, I was like, I'm not going any further. And I immediately so that went, was your atomic number. That was my number. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. And and it just it changed me. Mm-hmm. And I did it because of what I had seen before. Um, I, I just didn't want to go through all the things that I, my mother just struggled with it so much her whole life. Um, but then what happened was, I think I was 44 at the time. Um, I got a stress fracture in my femur and I had to take three months off of running. And so for the for, as soon as I stopped running for that next 30 days, what do you think happened? Mm. Nothing. You kept eating like you were running. I did, <laughs> but I gained no weight. Yeah. But then the next 30 days after that, I gained 20 pounds in 30 days. And the reason is, is because this is something important to understand about metabolism. Mm -hmm. Metabolism doesn't slow down as soon as you stop running. Mm -hmm. It takes time. But then I remember when I went back to running, it took a long time Mm -hmm. to get it started back up. And it was so hard to run with those extra pounds on me. Um, But I did it by being consistent and just keep on going and if you'll do that you'll you'll get that metabolism back to to going again so um i say all of that because this week's story talks a little bit about um about weight and uh and it has a little bit of a different kind of title 
<laughs> this one comes from Alice Rines, and it's called, You're the Fittest Fat Person I Know. Have you ever been told this? I have countless times. I have been an athlete all my life. I started dancing when I was three years old and continued until I finished my high school career. I played basketball, volleyball. I even tried cheerleading. I downhill skied, raced, and instructed. However, the sport I fell in love with was soccer. I played year-round. Yes, even in Minnesota. I didn't become a runner, though, until I was about 22. After I blew out my second ACL in 2006, I knew I had to be done with contact sports, but I knew I couldn't be done with exercise. See, all along this journey, I was always overweight for my age group, so running made sense. My high school cross-country team used to joke that the soccer team ran almost more than they did, which was true. Though I was never fast, I could always just run. The coach gave a distance, and no matter how long it took, I would complete it. At first, I w it was just to try to keep my exercise up, but it quickly became my devotional time. Well, before children, it became my time where I heard God the loudest, whether I was looking for an answer to something or just needed that fatherly pat on the back. Fast forward to 2010, and my world was falling apart. I was now living in Florida, and my then-husband said he was done with our marriage. At this point, I had run a lot of 5Ks and a 4-miler, but nothing more. As the feelings got more overwhelming, I took to the pavement even more, and I started getting the idea that I wanted to run a half marathon. Well, that got a nice chuckle out of me. Sure, it would be one of those bucket list items that you never cross off, I thought. At best, I am running a 16-minute mile for one of the three miles in a 5K, and the rest are slower. In addition, I'm close to 100 pounds overweight. Yet every time I went for a run, this thought kept creeping in until God finally said, okay, let me see if I can get you to believe you can do this. And he put Feather in my life. Feather and I worked together and slowly we became running buddies and best friends. We ran at the same pace and were, the, were at the same spot in our training. She also wanted to run a half marathon, but knew she couldn't do the training on her own. We worked our way up to a 10K, and then in 2013, we ran our first half marathon. Including that one, I have finished four half marathons and gotten picked up twice at two Disney half marathons, my fastest one to date uh, at four hours and 30 minutes. I finished my last half a year and three weeks after my son was born. In this process, I had also met my wonderful husband, and he supported me through all of it. But I was wrecked after the last one, and each one seemed to get worse. He finally told me he thought I needed to back off and stay at the 10K or shorter. He said, your body just doesn't like more. And he was right. Okay, so I know you're still wondering about this title. <laughs> Through all of this, besides following different training plans, one at a time, not picking pieces from each, I also followed different diet or healthy eating plans. None of them worked. And it's not just me saying that. I have an aunt who is a nurse who I would send my food logs and exercise logs to. I posted to social media to hold myself accountable. I went to different support groups. I was still seeing my counselor, who was also a long-distance runner, after my divorce, and we talked about it. And I worked with my doctor for over eight years. Finally, in 2018, my doctor said, I've never had a patient try harder. 
there is nothing else out there for us to try. You need to consider weight loss surgery. I left her office and cried in my car for about 20 minutes before I could drive home. I didn't want to take the easy way out. My husband and I talked about it, prayed about it, and then he went off and did his research. He loves his research. We finally decided to make the initial appointment and then see how we felt. I say we because even though I was having the sur- I was having the surgery, it changes a lot of things for the entire family. To make a long story shorter, I had the gastric sleeve surgery in 2019. Has it been easy? Well, no, not even close. But it was as hard as some of our research, but was it as hard as some of our research and conversations with others led us to believe it would be? Nope, not even close. For the most part, my taste didn't change with the except with the exception of plain water. I have to add some type of flavor to it. I have had no issues with any food. Most patients taste changes from this surgery. Due to the years of trying to do it with just diet and exercise, we were already eating 80% of the time as close to uh, not processed natural as we could get. Every meal was balanced with protein, carbs, fat, and veggies. It has been just over two years and I've kept off 115 pounds and began the Run for God Couch to Marathon program in January. My husband and I have agreed to one caveat that if my body starts to not handle it again, I won't push to the full marathon. But so far, so good. On top of that, something I have never been able to do, even in all my soccer days, I am getting faster. I just ran the one-mile tempo run at 12.26, and my 10K long runs have been averaging 14.45 to 15.15. All along the way, I have continued to share my journey on social media. Though it hasn't always been easy, because the journey isn't easy, this keeps me accountable. The feedback I have received from people who have said, you have inspired me to start doing X, Y, Z because I've seen what you have been doing. That tells me God has a message to send through me. Wow. You know, I I see these stories sometimes and I want to put a face to the name. Uh, So I went on Alice's Facebook page. I'm looking at it right now and wow. Yeah. I mean, her journey, you just, you flip back a matter of just 10 pictures and you see the journey she's been on. So, Alice, hats off to you. I Amen. mean, this is this is incredible what you've done, and uh, the fact that you've been so transparent through it. It there again, the fact that she shared her story. I have no doubt mm-hmm. that this story right here is going to ring true with a lot of people out there yeah. listening. Um, so, kudos to you for number one doing it, and then number two sharing it um, because it's important. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's important for us to understand that the fact that this was a really hard journey for her is, is the key to the whole yeah. thing. And all the things that we go through, or these, these struggles can be so incredible in the end, right. not just for us, if we're the ones struggling, but for others, because as you look through that Facebook page, sure. you know, it's inspiring yeah. to see that. And, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> 115 pounds is just, I, I remember the 20 pounds that I had yeah. on me, yeah. and I remember how, it, how, how hard it was. I can't imagine yeah. that much. Um, it's, it's crazy. She, she found her want-to button. Yes, she, she did. About, sure. yeah. uh, scripture, Philippians 4.13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Of course, that's that classic verse. We've talked about this one several times before. And, um, 
Paul is 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 saying that he can be content, content in all things. So let's let's read these the prior verses to that. It says, "I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength." You know, I think we've talked about this before. You you can you can be content in whatever situation you're in, but still be striving for something. I think people get that mixed up in that. Okay, well, if you're content, then you should just stay where you're at. That's not what this is stay, saying. You know, I think that Alice was content with where she was. You, I mean, you could you could hear it in her readings that she had resolved herself. She said that the doctor didn't want her doing more than 10K, and, and he was right. Mm-hmm. She, she was content, but she still had this idea in her head that I, I want more. You can, I, I don't know how, well, I don't know how else to say it other than I can be content. I, I've started running a little bit again. You know, I kind of got tired of walking and I want to run some more. Um, I'm content with where I'm at today. Mm-hmm. I'm content with my health. I'm cont- but I'm not complacent. Yeah, and there's a difference. Big there. difference. There, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I have joy. Um, um, I feel like my my time of the Lord is where it needs to be right now. So I am content. But I still want to run a half marathon this fall. Yeah, and and that that those are not mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. You can have drive and contentment at the same time. Where the danger comes is when complacency comes into the picture. And uh, I think that's exactly where where Alice was. She she had a drive. She had the want to, but she it, it seemed at least from what I was reading that she was she was happy with where she was. She was content, but she wanted more. And I think that's what Paul is saying. Yeah, Paul wasn't. Paul was content even in prison, but he wasn't complacent. Right. He was still doing everything he could do to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, even if that meant doing it from a jail cell. He was going to do it with joy. And that, that is true That is true contentment, striving for what you want in the future while being happy and joyful and content in the moment. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I'm going to share a really good example here in my story in, in a little while. And the truth is I didn't reach the goals that I had set for myself. I reached one, but there were a couple other goals I had that I wanted to reach that I didn't reach. Right. And in the past, I, it would have been really upsetting it would to wreck you. Yes. But in this case, when I got through, I was content. Mm-hmm. And again, I'll talk about that some more, but that's, is it, you know, what, what am I thinking? Well, I'm thinking next year I'm going to do better, right? You know, I, I want more. I want to yeah. do better, and I think I still can do better. But for this year, what happened was what happened, and yeah. and it's I'm content with what happened. Yeah, I think maybe, maybe I'm trying to figure out the best way to say it. Maybe it's that I believe that contentment is being happy and having joy where you're at, but striving to do better. Yeah, Complacency is being happy with where you're at and saying, I'm just going to stay here. Yeah. And and that's that's not what got, especially in our in our walk with Christ, that is not what God wants. He wants mm-hmm. us to be content where, he, where we are, but growing our faith with him in the process. Complacency is saying, I, I'm good right here, God. I'm not going to grow anymore. Yeah. That's that's never good. Nope. 
Matthew 5, 14 through 16, the New Living Translation says this, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I, I love this this thought. This is right after the your salt and light. You know, this was after the salt verses, um, and we're we're to be different, and we're to be noticeably different. And I think about it like a lighthouse. You know, when you have a light, what? Why do you have a lighthouse? Well, you have a lighthouse so that people don't. It it, it helps you avoid danger, and lighthouses are meant to be seen. They're purposefully put in places to be seen, and that's kind of the way we are. Um, as we we talk, we say, I say it at the end of every podcast, where we should shine our light. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times, for me, even I have a hard time doing that because I don't want to. I want people to think I'm bragging or anything mm-hmm. like that. So I'm real cognizant of that. But at the same time, um, we're we're to be noticed by people around us that we're different than other people, and that's important. Yeah, I think, you know, I think there's two ends of the spectrum here. I think you have people who, like you just said, they're very um, self-conscious. Maybe they're shy. Maybe they're, you know, not outspoken, whatever. And they just shy away from being the light. And then you have the other side, which is the cocky side. And, you know, we used to always tell the kids there's a difference between confidence and cockiness. Yeah. Uh, confident. I mean, cockiness will get you in bad trouble with the coach. Yeah. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with being confident. And we need to be confident in our walk with Christ. We should not. That's why this verse is here. We have um, we have the answer to eternal glory. Yeah. Joy for eternity. We should let people see that. Um you know, a, a lighthouse stands there confidently, mm-hmm. but a, a lighthouse is not standing up there saying, look at me and, you know, yeah. what, whatever. There's, there's just a difference in being, we need to be right there in the middle. We don't need to be shying away from the spotlight because if it's, if it's things that point people to Christ, we don't need to put it under a basket. We need yeah. to let people know. But on the same token, sometimes we, and I say we because I do it too, we take mm-hmm. it too far the other way and say, mm-hmm. look, it, it becomes about what I've done and not about what Christ has done in me. Um, so, yeah, I love that verse for that reason. that It, it, it kind of says, stay right there in the middle. Yeah. You, you know what's interesting about light, and I hadn't really thought about this much, and I'm sure that it's been discussed in the past. I was listening to an audio book called Amazing Truths, and it was talking about how a lot of our scientific discoveries fall right in line with Christian scripture. Sure. And he um, talked about light. And in that, he was talking about how, you know, light, whenever something goes, approaches the speed of light, when you get to the speed of light, mass becomes infinite. It's the craziest thing that you've ever heard, but if we were able to run at the speed of light, we would suddenly become infinite as far as size, right? So we can't run that fast. That's why nothing can travel the speed of light. And um, maybe that's a good reason not to run faster 
because the faster you run, the bigger you get, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so light is infinite. So this is what's interesting to me is that the way God is described as light in the Bible so many times, when the Bible was written, nobody knew that, that light and the speed of light became infinite and that light was infinite but God knew when he was writing it. And there's so many truths in the Bible like that that uh, that we I think we miss all the time. And uh, I, I, I thought that I've was never heard that. That's yeah. I thought that was so an God, interesting. God point. is light. God is light. Therefore, God is infinite. Right. In his wisdom, in his size, in his thoughts, which is why there's things that we'll just never understand because we have a finite. That's right mind that's right Hmm, never heard that yeah that's good zechariah 4 6 through 7 and verse 10 new living translation again then he said to me this is what the lord says to zerubbabel it is not by force nor by strength but by my spirit says the lord of heaven's armies nothing not even a mighty mountain will stand in zerubbabel's way it will become a level plain before him and when zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place the people will shout may god bless it may god bless it do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Hmm. I just like to say that name, Zerubbabel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, this kind of goes back to what you just said. I mean, that the Lord, I mean, he God made these statements in those days that it was I don't I don't care if you put a mountain in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um and he's shown time after time through history. I, th- I think about um, you said you, you walked around your your house like the walls of Jericho. I mean, I think so many times we we read these stories and and, and we even as believers we kind of we kind of put these stories. This is going to sound terrible, but we, we allow them in our mind to kind of slip to that fictional. Yeah. It's a story. But these aren't stories. Yeah. They really happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, it's just, it's, it just, it goes to the power and the, the infinity that you just said of God. And who are we to even, attempt to stand in the way we're nothing we're nothing to stand in the way of god's plan well in the root of this verse too i love because he's talking about a vision that he had had and this vision had a lampstand and then it had these two pipes that went from an olive tree to the lampstand in other words it was saying the oil to keep that light flowing is Mm -hmm. constant and always connected. And that's the way God is for us, is that we're always connected. And again, we just talked about light and, and its properties. Well, what about the, the properties of oil? Well, oil heals. Mm-hmm. It lubricates. It lights. It warms. It it can invigorate, like in the in, in a massage. It can be perfume. It can even polish metal. It, oil can do so many things. And that's the way God is for us. He's mm-hmm. versatile and can do whatever way he can supply every need is is the way it talks about it in the in in the bible and then his final verse of the small things 
and, and how important the small things are. I think about it from uh, the about our fitness. We've got the base period where we just do long, slow miles just to get ourselves into into a good state of fitness so we can start working our body harder. Um, God really delights in seeing us get started. But we don't like to just get started often. Um, or we get excited and then we lose But it's it's all those small things along the way that are so important. In the case of Alice's story here, there's a lot of steps along the way that were important to the overall successful spot that she's in today. She had to go through a lot of small things. I say small. I mean, for her, they were big things, but a lot of little things that she tried. She said they tried everything. Mm -hmm. Well, those are all little things that you tried along the way that didn't work. Those things are important. You know, it's funny you said that. Actually, I finished that book yesterday, the Atomic Habits book, and and this is one thing he talks about. He's he's talking about, in in the case of, the book he's talking about great athletes and he said great athletes don't become great because they've learned how to handle the adversity the hard workouts all that they've learned how to handle boredom Mm. and he goes to explain that the greatest athletes are great at doing the daily things that Mm. are just mundane I, th- I was thinking about with with lane and landon and, and a lot of our athletes the the doing the ice baths the massages all, all we call them the little things yeah and it was really interesting to hear him talk about it's because we can amp ourselves up to deal with the hard things but it's hard when it gets boring yeah i mean just to go out for a a four mile run when the weather's just mm, okay and it's you just feel okay and it's just kind of boring those are the workouts that a lot of times you can kick to the curb yep but the greatest athletes and 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 you can put this in the realm of our walk with christ you know we can all get amped up for a great sermon but you got a busy day and you need to get up and, and be in the word at five o'clock in the morning and you're tired and you just want to stay in the bed. That's what really grows your walk Yeah, is those times where you do it anyway. That's right. Yeah. First question. Have you ever felt stuck in a situation that you knew you were doing all the right things to get out of, but it just didn't work. And only in hindsight, do you see how God used you uh, by keeping you there? <laughs> yes all the time yeah right yeah uh, i talked recently about being unemployed and and in the moment you don't see god in the moment but you look back at it and you see god's fingerprints all over it mm-hmm. um, and that goes to to so many things um, and that's the key is that we don't see it in the moment and we have to have the faith that when we're going through tough times and things aren't good that something good is going to come from it and it's mm-hmm. really, really difficult to do that, isn't it? Well, and it's it's where we really, I'm I'm 100% convinced that God will allow us to get there because that's where we get to the end of ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. I've talked on here. You know, my family, we were on the brink of financial calamity. Yeah. At one point, um, after the 08 recession, and I mean, we, I've talked about the the midday visits to my church and being mm-hmm. sitting in a dark sanctuary and. That's where this ministry was born. And so, yeah, I mean, 
And I, I know it's easy to say it. Yeah. Because chances are in the next five years, I'll it'll be another situation. I'll be there again. And I'll have to come back and listen to these podcasts to hear myself say, <laughs> sometimes those are where the big, biggest blessings happen. Yeah. But it's so hard in those moments when you're, you feel like you're, you're doing everything right. Like Alice talks about, she was doing everything right. Yeah. But man, what a story she has now. Yeah. And had she not gone through all that, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it. That's right. Um, so just, just remember that. And I say that to myself too, Mitchell, remember this next time Yeah. because we're going to have more deep valleys. No question about it. Yep. But this is where the wisdom comes in. This is why God allows us to go through these things so that hopefully next time the valley may be as deep, but we look at it differently. Yeah. Another question. Looking back, have you ever done something that seemed small, insignificant, or maybe even like a failure that turned out to be a lesson or a tool you need to complete something much bigger later? Yeah, I mean, again... I mentioned the being unemployed and I had the same job for 25 years and I look at um, all of the, the stuff that surrounded that and um, the, the things that I was doing during that summer and how everything, there were a lot of little things that led to a moment mm-hmm. where God said, all right, I'm done allowing you to feel back feel sorry for yourself um now i need you to pick yourself up and and head in a direction and a lot of those little things that i did at that time um just made huge difference in where i am today and who i am today um and that's what alice here that's what she's doing she didn't give in at any point she kept trying these things and then even when she found what eventually sounds like it's the solution she was saying, I didn't want to take the easy way out. <laughs> she mm. was still thinking, it can't be that this thing is, is the answer. But it was. But she never would have gotten there had she not gone through all those other little things and little steps along the way. Yeah. And in the end, it was worth it. And last question. What has been your biggest struggle, maybe even what you thought you were failing at, that God used to inspire others? You know, I think about my I've talked on here before about my temper and how my temper used to be so so bad and um I've been through a lot because of my temper I failed a lot because of my temper um but God has changed me and now I have this opportunity to be able to talk to others about that mm-hmm. and to explain that I understand people who never have a bad temper don't understand people who do mm-hmm. because they don't under, why would you let these things get under your skin to the point where you fly out? They don't understand it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, and I get that because yeah. I don't understand you know, people, other pe- personalities that other people have right. that, that aren't what I do. Um, so in order to get through to somebody who is struggling with that, it needs to be somebody who understands that struggle. It's no different than an alcoholic, you know, somebody who's been an alcoholic and recovered can talk to somebody who's in it and they're way more impactful. And it goes that way for all of us, right? For, for anything that we do. Yeah. You know, 
we as a family the past uh in the past month we all took these um holly read a book it's 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 about the enneagram you've heard about you've ever heard of the enneagrams you ever heard of that uh-uh. well it's it's the it's kind of a personality test okay and there's one through nine one through nine personalities and uh she read this book and she was telling us about it one night at dinner and me and the boys rock oh we got to take that test to figure out what we are and so we all took the test and it is amazing how dead on these tests are yeah but i'm i'm an enneagram one and enneagram one is you know perfectionist you know all, all these different things you clean and it, just i mean i would have thought that this enneagram was written for mitchell hollis (laughs) and but it was so funny because she got to reading it and you know how i am i you know you see me on even on this podcast if you're watching i'm i'm getting the the cup just right on the table and the pen's got to be where it needs to be and she said that she was reading it and it said an enneagram one um doesn't go looking for imperfections imperfections attack them yeah and i was like dead on yeah (laughs) so that's my personality yeah but that's still no excuse for the way i act sometimes and i think that's where that may be the problem with some of these personality tests and things like that you know you hear people say well that's just the way i was raised well it doesn't have to be the way you live that's right you know you're i guarantee if you took an enneagram test it would say dean has a short fuse yeah but Dean don't have to live like that. That's right. And we, we have to stop falling into these traps of, well, that's how I was raised or that's what I've always done. I love what Dave Ramsey says. He says, find your sacred cows and shoot them. Yeah. Yeah. Because that gets us in trouble a lot of times that, well, that's, I've got a temper. That's just the way I am. So yeah, I, I've seen it in you through the years. You know, when you first started here, you know, you were a bit of a hothead mm-hmm. and you know, you still get that way when it comes to technology, <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I I love that thought that you know, so many times when we make changes in our life like that, when we really stop and and do that, so many people notice. Yeah, and uh, that that's that's a testament to what God can do. God can change any enneagram. Yeah, that's um, right. But we've got to allow it. That's right. Thank you, Alice. Great story. Sure. Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it. With the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you're participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at www.runforgod.com. All right, we're back, and I think I may have talked about this last year, about this same time. Um, these master meets, masters meets that we go to, these national championship meets, they're just so inspirational. You go, and you've got these people who are just honestly, it's people really they have no business 
doing some of these things and are yeah. doing them anyway. Yeah. And I, it's so inspirational to watch that. Um, we had a uh, run club member show up at the national championship. Yeah, I saw the pictures of that. Yeah. Um, if you're on Facebook, you know her as Missy Mosquito. Yeah. Um, and her and her son showed up. And, man, it was pretty cool because I didn't see them before the race. And but when I was running, I heard my name from the stands. Really, and so it was pretty cool yeah. to hear my name from the stands, and um, it, it was it was definitely definitely helpful. So, um, and you know, this we were in Lexington, Kentucky. Now I've been there a few times for races, but never really paid quite as much attention as I did. I think this time to Lexington, we kind of had a day where we didn't do a whole lot in between two races, and. Um, and also, the other couple times I was there was in December. So <laughs> you don't get a chance to see much in December when it's so cold. Um, but Lexington's a nice place. Yeah, I've been there a couple times. Really like Lexington. So, And, of course, it's always great to hang out with my wife because uh, we just uh, we just like just hanging out. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. And I figured out I'm in the wrong age group. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah, <laughs> because I looked at the results, and so there were – 18 people in my age group now that's really weird that there's 18 people in one race um in this 1500 meter race that i was in um that's a lot in a four-year five-year age group um but the 10th place finisher in the 55 to 59 age group would have finished third in the 50 to 54 age group really (laughs) yes so um yeah i was in the so you had a bunch of Schellenbergers in there. With we you. we had some fast guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, but that's cool. And then of course after the race we went to Bucky's. Yeah. You know and got I got you know I've been been last few weeks I've been really good on my diet and mm-hmm. I'm like all right I'm gonna get away from and had me that brisket, brisket sandwich. sandwich. Yeah. They're good. Yeah. They yeah. know how to do brisket at Bucky's. They did a good job with it for sure. Not as good as yours, but uh, but pretty good. Uh, and then we met this guy. So listen to this. This is really cool. So we're in the parking lot. We're about, we're leaving. My race is over. I've done my cool down. We're just walking to the car and there's this guy walking, kind of walking out through the parking lot as well. And he goes, Hey, would you mind giving me a ride to my hotel? (laughs) And I thought that's pretty bold thing just to ask somebody out of the blue that you don't know. But then I thought, why did he ask? Yeah. I mean, obviously you needed a ride, but, but, but past that. And I thought, because we're all runners, mm-hmm. we're all, and, and he knew he was safe to ask, Hey, can, can I ride with you guys? And of course we took him back to his hotel and super, super nice guy shared some training things with me. He turns out he is a world-class, um, runner in his age group, the 40 to 40, 45 to 49 age group, I think. Uh, maybe it was 40 to 44, but anyway, uh, his name is Mark Williams, great guy. And, um, he's got a running streak that started almost the same time mine did. Really? Yeah. And, uh, but he's super fast. He's just a couple of years ago, ran sub two for, for 800. Wow. Yeah. He's that fast. So he won his 1500 meter race. I think the next guy was probably close to 200 meters behind him. So let so. me ask you this. Cause <clears throat> You just how I'm trying to figure out how to ask this. When when you think about older people, and when I say older people, I'm saying beyond college. Take the professionals out of it, and and run club members. Mm-hmm. 
we're in the sport for for distance running. And when I say distance running, that could be a 5K. You know, we all have aspirations of, of doing a 5K all the way up to an ultra marathon. Mm-hmm. And we have training plans for that. But the typical guy, 44-year-old Mark Williams, what kind of training does he do to specialize in the 800? You just don't go to a normal race and talk to people and say, oh, I specialize in the 800. Yeah, that's kind of – I always equate track, besides you, I always equate track to professionals or college and below. I don't know. I guess it's a different world – you, I, I don't know anybody besides you that trains for track events. But there's literally thousands of them out there. Really? There just aren't many in our area. Um, and we're scattered around the country. Yeah. And that's that's who this guy is. But what of, does his normal week look like? This guy that's so good at the 800, 44 years old, does, what does his normal week look like? Well. Does it look like he's training for a 5K? No, it looks like he's training for a 1500. I mean, he's a specific middle distance guy. Okay. And, um, I mean, he runs a 53-400. Wow. Um, you know, at, at over 40 years old. So he's, he's a pretty fast guy. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, matter of fact, it's interesting that you say that because at you know how God is. This is awesome the way God works, right? So just before this guy asks us uh, if he could get a ride, I'm talking with Debbie and I'm telling her, I'm lamenting the fact that I worked really hard for this weekend to get ready for the steeplechase and to be ready for run jumping over the barriers and stuff. And I was successful in that, but I didn't do much speed training. I really, and I was talking to her about how I've got to do better speed training and in walks Mark and he starts (laughs) sharing with me. And he says, here, he says, let me let me find you on Facebook. I share all of my workouts, and you can just take a look at my workouts and see what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so now we're we're Facebook friends, and I'm wow. going to learn how he gets to run a, a 408 mile. Well, you'll have to a, send him this podcast. So we, yeah. We sit and talk about him. Yeah. Yeah. We, we need to do that for sure. <laughs> um, so anyway, re- really, really great guy and interesting that it comes up right after I was talking about that. And so uh, we had just had a bunch of good stories from this weekend. And here's one of them, because it is time for Dean's thoughts. That's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. So how many times have we seen God surprise us with how he works things out? Well, this story is called God Goes One Better. I love to challenge myself. In 2021, I decided to try something I had never done, the 3,000-meter steeplechase. I loved it. I won the national championship for my age and decided I wanted to go back and try it again the following year. In addition, I had only been 36 seconds away from the American record. I thought with more specific training and maybe a little better fitness, I'd love to give that record a run for its money. It would be difficult for sure, but it was worth the effort. So I stepped to the line in 2022 knowing it would take a perfect race, but hopeful nonetheless. I'd worked hard and felt like I had done all the things I needed to do to give the record a run. The gun went off, and by the end of the first lap, I found myself all alone in the lead, and I was on pace for the first three laps of the seven-and-a-half-lap race. There are five hurdles per lap for a total of 35 jumps over the last seven of those laps. The announcer had found out from a friend of mine that I was shooting for the record, so he was calling out my splits every lap to encourage me and the crowd. It was a nice touch and was much appreciated. 
At exactly halfway through, on the 18th barrier, I caught my trail foot and fell. Sprawled out on the track with a bruised left palm, a bloody right knee, and a sore left knee. I thought very briefly about not getting up, but everything seemed to be okay and uh, to keep on going. I got up quickly and resumed running at the front of the race. By the time I went through the first mile, I was seven seconds off my goal pace. It appeared the fall had cost me at least five seconds. That may not sound like much, but it is a much tougher barrier to overcome than the one that had just knocked me down. <laughs> I faded over the second half of the race, but held on to win my race. I had been knocked down and got back up to finish the race. I thought, that's a good story about God's ability to allow us to to fall, but giving us the opportunity to be resilient. I could have written that story, and it would have been great. But God didn't stop there. As I walked off the track after the race, I saw the announcer who was set up in the corner of the track. I stopped by to thank him for his encouragement. He told me he was impressed with the way I got back up after what looked like to him to be a pretty hard fall. Then he asked if I would do a live interview. Of course, I don't usually shy away from a microphone. (laughs) During the interview, I was able to testify to the fact that it is God who powers my running and my ability to get back up. He was the one who made sure I could keep going. Isn't that just like God? He writes a great story and then takes it one step further by making sure that his children have the ability to give him credit for his greatness. What an awesome God. Sometimes things don't come out the way we plan. Sometimes we fall short. But God never falls short. We say it all the time. There are often good things that come from unfortunate events. In this case, God got a shout out because of a fall. If I had not fallen, I would not have had the opportunity. If my friend had not mentioned it to the announcer, he would not have been calling out the splits and I would not have stopped by his table. Our God is an awesome God. The way he coordinates things is incredible. When things don't go as planned, are you looking for opportunities to count it as joy anyway? I can't help but think about this. Years ago, I would have been angry for falling on that barrier. My sulking would have made me unlikely to have stopped and thanked the announcer. And God would never have gotten that shout out. I don't want to meddle, and I myself have missed many opportunities while wallowing in self-pity. But have you missed opportunities to give God credit because you were focused on yourself and your disappointment? I'd say most of us have. But what are you going to do next time? (laughs) That's a great story, Dean. First of all, congratulations. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. This was just one of those times you look back on it and you just see... You just see how God works things out. And in the moment, um, you know, I felt like I should have pushed harder in the race. And I was really, I was really not happy to some degree when I finished. As I crossed the line, I realized there was a little more left than there should be at the end Mm -hmm. of a race. I felt like I didn't really, I don't know. There was, there were a lot of factors that got in the way in that race. I was distracted heavily before the race. Um, some, so things didn't go right in my warm up and stuff because of that. Um, and I, I won't, I, you know, I'm not pointing fingers or anything like that. It was, but it was the accumulation of things sure. that got, got me to that point. Um, but even with that, I was still content mm-hmm. just like we just talked about that, um, you know, that, that the race had, had come out. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, we took this big picture with, I don't know, there were probably 10 of the guys that were in the race, all arms around each other taking this picture that Debbie took. Um, no way 
no way would I have taken that picture 10 years ago because mm. I would have been off in the corner somewhere mm-hmm. really mad at myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, but here I was smiling for a picture at a time when I wasn't as excited about my performance as maybe I should have been or could have been. Right. Um, and then it was, the race was cool. Cause I had several meet officials. One of the, one of the guys came almost running up to me after the race. He says, are you okay? Are you okay? And, uh, and I thought that was really nice. And then I walked a little further around the track. Another meet official said, are you okay? I mean, they were just like falling all over themselves just to make sure. Yeah. It's really cool to be a part of something where people, it's not just about the races and it is about the races, but it's not just about that. People yeah. were just nice people just wanting to help out and be, be nice about it. Um, it, it's just such a great thing to be a part of. And I know you're not a track fan, but man, I, I, I could sit and watch it. The, the 1500, just the 1500 meters, right. And all the age groups went on for hours. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I'm a, I went to the one race that you did in Ames, Iowa, yeah. the track race. Now I could sit and watch those all day. I would rather watch that than watch the professionals. Yeah. Because the stories, yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember the picture that I have of Lane with that lady. She was 90, 94. Yeah. And she had just won the 100 meter dash or something. Yeah. I mean, tiny lady. I for, I'm trying to remember her name. This whole podcast, I've been trying to remember this lady's name. Yeah. I knew we were going to talk about this. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a track fan when it comes to master is it masters nationals is that what it was yeah the masters yeah. yeah um yeah to see to see all those folks um doing things that people say they shouldn't be doing yeah. that's inspiring yeah um, it's cool it's uh we could we could we could have a year's worth of podcast just out of one of those meets yeah yeah well, I wanted to talk about this. Um, you know, you talk about getting back up and, you know, people were complimenting me for getting back up and finishing the race. And it, honestly, it wasn't that hard to get back up. Um, it was it was an automatic thing for me to get back up and to to continue mm-hmm. regardless of, of what had happened. It's kind of built in to me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think a lot of people look at that and they go, I wish I was wired that way. But the truth is, is I think we can all become wired that way mm-hmm. if we want to. I remember this thing that happened to me when I was a kid. And I don't know that I've ever talked about this in public ever. My mother went to her grave never knowing this happened. I was coming home from school. I believe I was an eighth grader and I was coming home from school. I was riding my bike and a big guy, big, he's a football player, just he was walking with some other folks. He stopped me on my bike. He was walking home and I was riding home. He stopped me on my bike, kind of put his front wheel between my between his legs and faced me. And he hit me in the face just for fun because he wanted to be a big guy for his friends that were there, right? And and I remember that um again, I I, I never told anybody because on my way home Obviously, a lot of a lot of thoughts go through your mind with something like this. Pretty traumatic thing mm-hmm. to happen to to a kid who's sure. you know, well, I don't know how old I was fifteen, fourteen years old, thirteen years old, something like that. And I decided that I wasn't going to tell anybody about what had happened. 
and that I was going to use, I was somehow, I was going to get back at this guy. But I wasn't going to do it physically because I knew physically that was just going to escalate things that wasn't going to end well. Yeah. Right. And so, so a physical ending wasn't going to be good. Um, but I hear what wound up happening, obviously, is I, I found track and I found my place. Mm-hmm. I really didn't have a place up to that point. I found track that next year and found my place. And of course, by the time I graduated from high school, that kind of thing was didn't happen to me because everybody knew who I was and, and all of that. Um, I hear a lot of things about bullying. This was definitely this was classic mm-hmm. bullying, right? And I think too many times today we take and please, if I please don't hear me say what I'm not saying, mm-hmm. but I think too many times we 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 play up the victim instead of figuring out how to not let that happen again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, and I think if you're struggling in, in circumstances. There's a song, uh, and I, I think it's the the group Train, and it's called uh, Words, and it says um, words, uh, and it talks about using them as firewood and let them burn. When people say things and they do things, take those incidences, take those things that really discourage you, and use them as firewood. Mm-hmm. But light those things on fire and let them get you fired up to overcome whatever that obstacle is. And I think that incident, that one incident that happened to me so many years ago was the reason why I could get back up off that track so quickly because I made a decision at that point that I wasn't going to let the things that could knock me off my game knock me off my game. Hmm. And um, I don't know. It's just a lot of people say, well, you know, that's easy for you to say. You know, you, you, you were – you, you found this running thing. Everybody's got something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't easy when it happened. I can take you back to that day. I can take you to the spot. I can, I guarantee you, within two feet, I could probably show you the spot on the road where my bike was sitting mm-hmm. when, he, when, when that guy hit me to, to this day because I can remember it that well. Um, it was traumatic, but it really helped me a lot in life and um and the crazy weird thing is i'm sitting here and i think i know the answer to this question before i ask it would you have it done any other way now no yeah absolutely not no because because it really did fuel a lot that moment in time went through my head and and there were other things that happened but this one was just so you know, the reason it was done was just for fun, you know, and so it was it was way more traumatic than, you know, you're walking down the hallway and somebody says something or, you know, or it was just it was so in your face, mm. <laughs> literally, literally, in this yeah. case, that um, it, there was no reason for it whatsoever. Yeah. And it was complete. There's you when you talk about the word unfair there, you can't you can't put a definition of unfair that's more than that one i didn't even know this guy he didn't know me he just he picked me out at random it's not a lot unlike these you know you see these these knockout game things that you see on the internet where somebody just walks up to a guy and just knocks him out um it was a lot like that and 
Yeah. If you're out there and you're struggling with something, find a way to take that thing, that incident that happened to you five years ago that you can't get off of your mind. Find a way to use that as as firewood to to really light your fire about something and overcome that thing. It can be done because you're right. We can get so focused on the thing and the unfairness of and it. the unfairness of it and the, you know, whatever that we don't see how God wants to use it because God will use it. Mm-hmm. But we got to turn it. We got to turn it over to him. So many times we we keep it in the box and, and we put it on our nightstand and we want to think about it every night and think about how unfair it was every night and get mad about it. And, and the best thing you can do is turn it over to God and say, okay, it happened. There's nothing I can do. It happened. Mm-hmm. But how am I going to let that change me going forward? And that's what you did. Yeah. Um, so kudos to you. I've, I've never heard that story. Yeah. Sounds like nobody's well, ever heard that story. Yeah. No, they haven't um, <laughs> until now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, whatever that thing is, use it as firewood. Great word, Dean. At Run For God, we care about more than just your exercise. We care about your relationship with God, and we believe that the music you listen to while you run can help build your relationship with God. That's why we partnered with J Radio. J Radio offers a variety of positive and Christian playlists that you can listen to while you run. You can find a playlist that is put together by Run Club members just like you and the Run For God station at J Radio. Well, I got to mention on the USATF website, I thought, I've, I don't know that I've, my name's been on, you know, they wrote up an article and they only picked out one person to talk about as from the steeplechase event and yeah. all the age groups. And it, they talked about me. That was pretty cool. I saw that, that. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. So, uh, and they, they mentioned that it was an impressive time. I like that. The only thing they didn't mention <laughs> was they didn't mention run for God at all. So did they put a picture? No, no, there was there was no picture, but they had, um, you know, they uh, when we do the national club cross country championships, I'm part of the Chattanooga Track Club, mm-hmm. so I'm running for the Chattanooga Chattanooga Track Club. So anytime I register for anything that's USATF affiliated, they have me as Chattanooga Track Club. So they mentioned me as part of Chattanooga Track Club, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. Yeah. I, I don't mind rep- representing Chattanooga for sure. Um, but next year, my goal is to is to go back, break that American record, and make them put a picture of the Run for God jersey on that website. Because those jerseys, you can't miss them. That's right. They, it stands out. That is right. Yep. Hey, before you move on uh, below here, we, we skip right over. Um, so we are in August right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, September, October is some of the most popular times going into fall to start 5k challenge classes yeah so if you're out there we've we ju- we talked earlier about becoming a coach and you know all that kind of stuff but what we said earlier is true it will change you more than it will change the athletes that you're coaching uh with the new website that's releasing here in a couple weeks um it's going to be easy to do we've we're bringing back the coaching portal it won't release exactly when the when the website releases but within a couple weeks it will be out um but you know we we've had some conversations that coaching classes in churches was what got run for god started and then covid happened and we kind of 
softly went away from that when we introduced Run Club, and it's been really cool to see how Run Club has brought people from all across the country together. But now we're excited to 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 really be putting a focus back on the coaching and the classes in the churches and to see marry that together with what we've done with Run Club. Yeah. Think about that. You yeah. have not only people knowing each other from across the country, but entire groups that get to know each other from across the country. So it's it's going to be a really neat dynamic, mm-hmm. um, and we will have that up. Keep keep a lookout for your email. But go ahead and, and start today. Start yeah. praying about it, thinking about it. Do you want to coach a session this fall? We'll probably have a session that will start uh, mid-late September as – as a, a national thing that you could be part of with your local church. Um, but be thinking about it. It's yeah. important. It will do more for you than it will ever do for your students and it will change your students' lives. So uh, yeah. be thinking about it and praying about it. For sure. Yeah. Well, we had some, there were some big coaching announcements. I don't know if you saw this, but Sean Brosnan, the guy who has coached Newberry Park, this greatest high school cross country team ever, is now going to coach at UCLA. Really? Yeah. So that's a big promotion. Um, and then uh, Shalane Flanagan, who a lot of folks know, is going to be the assistant coach at the University of Oregon. So uh, that's going to be a big deal. So two two big coaching changes there, um, big announcements. So going to be interesting to see how that how those shake out. Um, with with Brosnan, I, I still feel like you know he it, it'd be interesting to see how he does at UCLA. Yeah. And then I saw some more talk about Devin Allen. You know, we talked about his disqualification from world championships because he started one hundredth of a second before before a tenth of a second. <laughs> Again. It's crazy uh, when you say it out loud. Eh? Yeah, it is. And I, I hope they do something about this thing, but it's really convincing that the timing was different yeah. at this world championship. So it he it was a double whammy for him. And the bad part was Devin Allen went to the University of Oregon. It was in their stadium. It was he had run the fastest time in the world so far that year and then gets DQ'd and just, just sad. Now he's with the Philadelphia Eagles though. So if you're a football fan, check out Devin Allen with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's gonna be a wide receiver. I hope to see him make the squad. I don't think they're sure yet. And I saw this post on Let's Run. You're going to love this one. So Alex Yee and Hayden Wilde, they're triathletes who have both run under 13.30 for 5K. And the message boards were full of people saying, I wonder how fast they could be if they focused on running. Oh, come on. (laughs) Well, I'm not sure they'd be any faster. And you and I have seen it, right? But, uh, that you know, this is something that's kind of evolved in my thoughts over the years um, because I used to say the same thing when I saw that. I thought, man, gosh, I wish I could get them to focus on on just running. The truth is, is that if they were just runners, they could probably be just as fast, but I don't know that they would be any faster. I, Dean, I'm convinced. Well, m- maybe not them, but I'm convinced there's some runners that are faster only because they're triathletes. Yeah. And I use Lane as an example. Mm-hmm. Um it, we have proven it now a couple different times that when all Lane does is running, I think his running suffers. You know, the most recent being we saw an injury. Now, yep. was that because of the running? I don't know. But it's proven with him that when he has biking and swimming in the mix, it makes him a better runner. So I, I think it's 
you can't you can't make those kind of statements about people like triathletes because it's their body is adapted everybody's bodies are different and their bodies are adapted and and they thrive with the cross training yeah um so well and we've seen people who do really well with high mileage and people who do low with well with low mileage yeah. and these folks just happen to do well with with the cross training that's that's set in but i got a theory i thought about this a lot over this past week and here's my theory as to why triathletes do so well um, as runners if, if that's their best part sure. of the of the triathlon and this is i think it's mental and i'll tell you why i think it's mental i think that the pain you feel when you're running is a very specific kind of pain now you got pain of of trying to do long races and short races are a little bit different but the pain of running is is one type of pain the pain that you feel on a bicycle completely different sure it is complete it is not the same at all mm-hmm. so pushing through that discomfort on a bike way different than pushing through the discomfort on the run swimming different again and so t- what triathletes have i think that's so important is they have this first of all they're pushing through the pain more often mm-hmm. because they're training at a higher level more often Higher intensity they more don't often. they don't have to do all the slow easy miles that a runner has to do because they're getting that benefit on the bicycle and on uh, and they're swimming and so i think the fact that they spend more time pushing themselves harder and that they're able to push themselves in different ways makes them more versatile and makes them a better runner what do you think I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. A triathlete, um, they don't have many, uh, how do I want to say that? Zone two efforts, zone one, zone two efforts, because, right. you know, it's just like swimming. Swimming, you can do workouts in swimming every day mm-hmm. because there's no impact on the body. And usually the only, the, Typically, the only reason you don't do workouts every day on the run is just the breakdown of the body. Running right. is the hardest of the three sports on your body. So if it didn't damage your body the way it does, then you could do workouts every day. Well, having the bike, which is probably half as much of the damage that running does on your body, you you can do some higher intensity. And then swimming, I mean, you can go max effort every day mm-hmm. in swimming. So it allows you to build up that um, that threshold. I don't want to say faster, but a good example. I asked Lane the other day. He's he's about to start cross country with the college, and I said, "How much are your teammates running right now?" Well, they're running about ninety miles a week. Mm-hmm. Lane's running about forty mm-hmm. miles a week, but he's doing a hundred miles on the bike a week, and he's doing you know. I don't know, 20,000 yards, 25,000 yards in the pool right now. So, you know, I don't know, 12, 12 miles or so in the pool yeah, um, yeah. a week. So he's he, – a lot of our running is keeping that aerobic capacity right up. But you also run the risk of running 90 miles. You run the risk of – injury it takes longer to recover fatigue is more intense but if you can take those aerobic building sessions and put them on the bike or put them in the pool 
I'm just interested to see when he starts the season. I think he's going to be right there with all of his teammates yeah. running half the mileage. Um, and we've seen it with other people. And we talk about Paige Horner before that yeah. she was one of Lane's teammates and she was the, I don't remember what state, Des Moines. She was the Des Moines state cross country champ. Yeah. Running half the mileage that, but a lot of the pure runners out there kind of turn their nose up as well as a lot of the pure running coaches out there. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them are wising up to the fact that, Hey, Mm -hmm. there's something, I mean, Lane's cross country coach at UTC. He puts his runners in the pool and on the bike. Yeah. He understands it. So there's, we've always said it. There's more than one way to become great. That's right. Um, That's the bottom line. We need to have an open mind about all of them. For sure. How about a trivia question for this week? This uh, this is the definition of a term in running. Here comes the definition. A feeling of euphoria that is experienced by some individuals engaged in strenuous running and that is held to be associated with a release of endorphins by the brain. What is that term that that, that definition You're describes? You're an underhanded pitch out this week. I am. <laughs> <laughs> And if you know the answer to that, you can send that to dean at runforgod.com. And if you're the first person to answer that, then you will get a run club tumbler. So uh, dean at runforgod.com. Be the first person to send it there and you can get a tumbler. So that's a pretty simple one, huh? Yeah. You, yeah. You know what that one is. <laughs> uh, so what are you, th- you thinking that the fact that you know it means it's simple? Is that your criteria or yeah because i don't i don't know a lot of your trivia questions <laughs> so it, it must be pretty simple if, uh, if i know it <laughs> every week i share a reason why running is so awesome and this week i share this it's a low barrier to entry uh you know almost everybody can run mm-hmm. you really just need a pair of shoes um and some appropriate clothing. It doesn't have to be expensive. It, mm-hmm. It's a cheap sport to get involved with. You can make it expensive. You can. You can. But you don't have to. But you don't have to. And it's very simple. It's easy to understand. You don't have to spend hours and hours learning about it. Um, I, I don't. I can't think of another sport that's more simple and that's easier for people to do than running. You know, I... I, I I want to put a, a, a asterisk by your your. You don't need to spend hours learning about it. Mm-hmm. There are things you need to learn. There are. Yeah. You know, you don't need to go out and run six miles your first mile, which is basically that's what we say in in the five k challenge. We equip people to enter the sport safely, safely. and uh, so yeah, there are some things you need to know, but it's not a a Trevor treasure trove of knowledge like some other sports you know right. golf for instance you yeah. it, there's a huge learning curve there but running yeah. you, know, you just need to learn one or two things and you're off that's it all right our motivational thought of the week is this i love this i saw this on the back of a t-shirt watching american ninja warrior and i liked it it said Sometimes you just got to lick the stamp and send it. <laughs> this comes from Daniel Ricard- Ricardo. Um, he's an Australian race car driver. And basically what he's saying is sometimes you just got to be satisfied with what we have and do the best with what you got. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to lick the stamp and send it. I, I said this to some of our team the other day talking about this new website. You know, we can, we can, yeah. we can test and try to make better and test and try to make better 
but sometimes you just need to get it out there. Yep. And and that's what we're doing. We're we're testing to try to make it better right now. But as, as Dave Ramsey says sometimes, just ship it. Just ship it. Get it out the door because if you try to make it perfect, once you get it perfect, it's going to be out of date. So lick the stamp and send it. That's right. I like yep. that. Yep, that's good. All right. Until next week, may God bless every step of every run or walk. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.